I'm a born-again Christian. Everyone I know knows what I believe. I think it's important that people know that I'm a Christian. I spent most of my life studying the scriptures, and I know it sounds bad, but I feel like I know the Bible better than most pastors. I mean, it's not an arrogant thing. I just, I don't understand what these people do with their time. You should be studying, reading, learning the scriptures. I'm Scott. I'm the church. Autopsies are important. I wouldn't want the job of doing autopsies, but I'm glad someone does. Because we know that lives are saved because we learn how and why other lives died. And the same is true of churches. And that is why Jesus does autopsies. Because sometimes a congregation is just a dead church walking. So we're in this series titled 7, studying the real letters of Jesus to real churches In a part of the world back then that they called Asia, today we call it Turkey. And you could go to that nation and visit the ruins of those seven cities. And if you went to Sardis, you would immediately notice by the ruins that this was once a wealthy place. In fact, Sardis had the reputation of being one of the richest cities in the world because of gold deposits nearby. You can see the restoration of their old gymnasium and bathhouse. And you just can feel that this was a place where affluence reigned. You may remember the expression, Richest Crassus. He was one of the kings of Sardis. And it was built on a hill they thought impregnable. And yet, interestingly enough, two different times Sardis was conquered, not because they lacked resources or good defenses, but because they fell asleep, because they were caught napping And so a breach in their defenses was scaled by their negligence. And it's interesting how often a church will take on the characteristics of its location. So let's hear what Jesus says to the fifth church in Asia. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as 
a thief. Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. And I'll never erase their names from the book of life. But I will announce before my Father and his angels that they are mine. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. You might recall last summer, I was able to take the trip of a lifetime to Scotland with my brother and my father and our wives. We enjoyed beautiful scenery, great golf, and as a person who has an interest in religious history, I was particularly thrilled to stand in some significant churches in Scotland. And they are all over the place, absolutely glorious church buildings like this one. But they're almost all empty now. In fact, most have been turned into theaters or into cafes instead of houses of worship. I took this picture of a church in Edinburgh, and I don't know if you can see the sign up close. It says, come in and see our free French burlesque show. So here's a place where once the light of Jesus was proclaimed, where the gospel was preached, where the creator was praised, and now... His daughters are made objects of lust. And my question is, when did the light in that church go out? When did that church die? Because it wasn't preaching Jesus one Sunday and a strip club the next weekend. You see, what Jesus is saying here that I find very sobering is the reality that churches die before they realize they're dead. Because churches are like Christians. And often they are not what they seem or claim to be. You may have heard the story of the man behind a little old lady at a red light and when the light turns green she doesn't move and he's furious and he honks his horn and shakes his fist and screams at her to go and before you know it he sees flashing lights and an officer with a drawn gun tells him to get out of his car and put his hands behind him and he's handcuffed and arrested he said you can't arrest me for screaming in my car after two hours in a cell he's let go and He told the officer, I knew you couldn't arrest me for screaming in my car. You haven't heard the end of this. The officer said, I did not arrest you for screaming in your car. I was behind you and saw how you were acting like such a jerk. And then I saw that cross hanging from your rearview mirror. I saw that choose life license plate holder. I saw that bumper sticker, Jesus is coming soon. I saw that fish symbol on your trunk. And I concluded that you must have stolen that car. You see, evidently the church in Sardis had a very polished, a very stable, a much admired lampstand. It just wasn't putting out any light. Jesus says, you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. And I find it interesting not just what he said, but what he didn't say. Because nowhere in this letter, like some of the other letters, does Jesus mention the presence of false teaching. That wasn't the problem in Sardis. They knew their Bible. You could go there every Sunday and hear good gospel preaching. 
It was a sound church. And sound asleep. Everything in Sardis was organized and peaceful like a cemetery. They were like Samson. The power was gone, but they didn't know it yet. You ever known a church like that? A church with a great sense of its own importance and almost no sense of its impotence. Every year in the United States of America, over 3,500 churches close. It's one reason our vision is to plant more churches. Because every day, about 10 churches in this country are locking the doors. And here's the thing. They were dead before the official notification of their death. How does that happen? How does a congregation become a dead church walking? Well, we're going to listen to Jesus' autopsy report and get some clues. And the first thing he discovers is that churches die because they get stuck in the past. He says, you have a reputation. Well, isn't that a good thing? Doesn't a church want to have a good name? It depends. Because a great reputation can become a great threat to a great mission. Because before you know it, people are sitting around talking about, do you remember when instead of what's next? Reflecting on all that they did instead of praying about what they haven't done yet. Many years ago, I got approached by a church eldership to become their new preacher. This particular church, probably 50 years ago, was arguably the most famous church of Christ in the world and one of the biggest churches in America. And the church had been plateaued for some years. And the elders brought me this packet to impress me. And the title of the packet was The History of the Great and the Name of the Church. I didn't need to read the packet. The very title told me I did not want to go there. Where my main job would be to help a church remember who she used to be. And that church has been in 30 years of decline. Because they're stuck in the past. And I know change is hard. But here's what every biology teacher knows. Only living things Change. Change is proof of life. Dead things stop changing. Let me illustrate that. How many of you know what this is? <laughs> to everyone under 25, that's called a typewriter. 
We used them back in the dark ages to send messages to each other. Last year, Godridge and Boyce, the very last plant that made typewriters, closed doors. Because nobody orders typewriters anymore. Not because they don't work. But because in business, the mission is not to type well. The mission is to send effective, clear, quick communication. And a typewriter is not the best way to do that anymore. And so my children have never used a typewriter. And their children will never see one. Jesus says, you have a great reputation. Now repent. Repent of worshiping your reputation. Repent of calling being fearful. Oh, we're just trying to stay faithful. Repent of that. Repent of a negative spirit. Repent of being suspicious of leaders. Repent of being critical of new ideas. Repent of a need for control. I'm going to give you three questions today to help us wake up. And here's number one. Do I want to be a part of a movement or a museum? Because museums honor the past. I want us to remember our past, but not Revere it. Because a congregation that values reputation more than mission is just a dead church walking. And so Jesus does an autopsy on a dead church that was stuck in the past. And another thing he discovers, they were stained by the culture. He says, you have a few there in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. Now, listen underneath those words. What's he really saying? He's really saying most of you have gotten filthy by the world. You're raising hands, but they're not holy hands. Look at how it reads from the message. You still have a few Christians in Sardis who haven't ruined themselves wallowing in the muck of this world's ways. Churches that do more wallowing than following have no witness. Another thing you do not see in this letter, unlike most, did you notice there was no mention of Satan? Did you notice in this letter there's no mention of persecution like some of the churches were dealing with? Did you notice there's no mention of outside pressure This church was dying, but it wasn't from threat from the enemy. Why? Because the enemy does not waste his time attacking the dead. The church in Sardis, drowning in the flood of its inoffensiveness, was too innocuous to be worth persecuting. The world leaves the church alone when the world can't recognize who the church is. Because instead of being that bright light of witness, that bright 
standard of ethic, that bright call to a higher way, God's way, our clothes get soiled and we start to look more and more and more and more like the very culture we were commissioned to change. In James 1, we read, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Another translation says, And to remain unspotted by the world. And one reason the world has trouble spotting the church today is because the church has been so spotted by the world, they can't spot us anymore. We make the mistake of thinking that since Jesus made a big deal out of welcoming sinners, that Jesus must not think that sin is a big deal. But these seven letters punch us in the nose and remind us Jesus wants a pure bride. He wants a bride who is bright, not soiled. And so I've been encouraged these last few weeks. I know some of these sermons have been pretty bold and hard to hear, but people have been hearing the Spirit. And I've been receiving some amazingly courageous and encouraging feedback from people in our church who said, my language has become soiled and I'm going to clean it up. From people who have said, my use of alcohol has crossed a line and Jesus deserves better. From people who've said, my entertainment choices have been polluted, not pure. And I'm repenting. Praise God for all of you with the courage to obey the Spirit's call to be holy. I got an email this past week from a couple. They have been living together, having sex with each other, but they're not married. And they heard my very strong plea two weeks ago. And at first they were upset, but the Spirit wouldn't let them go. And after listening and praying, they have decided they will separate. They will get married and be husband and wife and make a covenant to each other. They will live in holiness instead of in the way of the world. And I love one line in the email. It said, we've concluded that God is the best wedding planner. So here's a wake-up question for you. Where has my relationship with Christ made me part of a noticed minority? What arena can I point to and say, in that arena, my ethic, my values, my standards make me stand out 
because a church that would rather fit in than stand out is just a dead church walking. I'm thankful that Jesus does an autopsy. And he exposes one more cause of dead churches. Churches that get stunted by the minimum. He says, your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Or, as one translation says, I do not find your deeds complete. Jesus says, you're not all in. And it should not surprise us that this bothers him because when we read the Gospels, who is Jesus consistently the hardest on? Pretenders, religious fakes. He is rebuking facade faith. He's saying, you didn't jump all in, you're splashing around in the shallow end. You're practicing half-hearted Discipleship. And if Jesus is Lord, he is right to ask for all or nothing. But so many churches today communicate, hey, we'll just take whatever you're willing to give. And the bar of discipleship has been set so low that in most churches to be a good member requires nothing more than nominal assent to a set of beliefs and occasional attendance to a set of services. Is that not true? That in most churches, if you'll nominally agree with their beliefs and occasionally show up at a service, you are a good member. No virus is killing churches today more than the virus of consumer Christianity. Because we do with faith in America what we do with everything else. We turn it into a commodity and we sell it. And the goal, the win, is to keep the consumer happy. So please come to our church. We will offer you this. We will pamper you this way. We will do that for you. Please be happy with us because we know if you're not a happy customer, you might go to the franchise down the street. Instead of saying... Ramp it up, make Jesus Lord, and do something great for him. Because it's not about you, it's about him. It's not about serve us, it's about service. I got an email from a young preacher I'm mentoring. After a couple of days with him, he, he wrote me back and said, really convicted to come back to my church And he said, and I recognize I had given up 
on the dreams for my church and settled for the absence of conflict as the goal. Dreams of doing great things for Jesus had died. And just seeing if I could stop the complaining had replaced them. And I will tell you, the mission of keeping saved people happy is the death of the church. And so I ask one more question. Is this church here for me? Or am I here for this church? One is a consumer. And one is a contributor. And when the great majority of people in a church are consumers. Regardless of reputation. It is a dead church walking. We hear a lot today about the death of Christianity in America. Every month there's a new poll where people are highlighting the increasing number of people who say they are nuns, no religious adherents. Let me give you my interpretation of the data. I don't believe Christianity in America is dying. I believe the number of people that are sold out for Christ, in fact, might be growing. What is dying in America is cultural Christianity. There was a time when America was home field for the Christian faith. And if you were asked, what's your faith? You would say, well, I'm not a Muslim and I'm not a Hindu. I'm a Christian, I guess. And people were in name Christian, cultural Christians. But it didn't affect their faith. It didn't change their sexual practice or their ethics or their marriages, or their language, or their entertainment choices. It just asks for two hours every now and then on Sunday. And all that's happening is the kids are going off to college and saying, I want the two hours back. I guess I'm nothing. Cultural Christianity in this country is collapsing, and I'm not sure that's a bad thing. Maybe the church needs to be pruned. Maybe as harsh as it sounds. Maybe more churches need to die. So that ultimately more disciples can be born. But not all will. Some churches in America are going to have a great resurrection. They're going to wake up. It's possible, you know, because Jesus is the Lord of resurrection. I read about a 76-year-old beekeeper in Poland last year named Josef Gusi. Got stung by a bee. His heart stopped. They thought it was a fatal attack. The doctor pronounced him dead. They put a white sheet on him. The undertaker took him to the funeral parlor, put him in a casket, closed the lid. And he woke up. And he started screaming and hollering and banging on the lid and they let him out. And to thank the undertaker for saving his life, he brought him a pot of honey. And as I read some of the response I've been getting to this series, some people are waking up. They're climbing out of the boxes of death they've been in. 
And by the way, if these sermons have helped you, I like honey. I like Titleist a lot more, but I like honey. I find it interesting that Jesus does not say to the faithful few in Sardis, well, just get out of there and start a new church across town. But he says instead, be agents of revival. What do you do in a church that is almost dead? Remember, the church is not them. The church is us. The church is me. And Jesus says, here's what you do. You become a brighter ambassador. Be the church you want to go to. Be the church that you want the church to be. Remember, you are a light too. Paul said, 2 Corinthians 4, that God once said, let the light shine out of the darkness. And this is the same God who made his light shine in our hearts by letting us know the glory of God that is in the face of Christ. This verse amazes me. The very God who said, let there be light, has put his light in your heart. Let it shine. Turn it up. Don't dim it so the world can't see it. Paul says, Romans 13, put on the armor of light. There's nothing more beautiful than a church at her brightest. I believe in the church. I'll never give up on her. Look at this picture. It's called Garbage City in Cairo. And every day, thousands of people will leave that place and they'll go through the city to pick up garbage and bring it back. Muslim religious restrictions won't let a Muslim do that job. So almost everyone that does it are the Christians. They are the poorest of the poor, the outcast among outcasts in Cairo. They bring the garbage home. They sift through it to see if there's something they can eat or sell for their families. If you go to church in Cairo, you're probably going to go to a church in Garbage City. Let me tell you about one of those churches. Some years ago, a Muslim businessman lost a watch. It was very valuable, over $11,000. Assumed it was gone. There's a knock on his door, and there's a man standing in what we will politely call rags, returning his watch. He asked why he would do that. That watch would have fed his family for a year. And the man said, my Christ told me to be honest until death. And the Muslim businessman wanted to know more about that Christ. He came to know Christ. And six years later became ordained as a pastor. And now he leads a church in Garbage City. I will never give up on the church. I believe in her mission. I believe in her witness. I believe in her capacity to experience and be an agent of resurrection. And I hear the Spirit asking us to be a bright church walking. 
I wonder what you are hearing. So bow your heads, and once again, I ask you in a moment of silence, would you just listen to the Holy Spirit who so graciously speaks to churches for their good? And let the Holy Spirit tell you of one area of your life where you could shine brighter. Oh God, the temptation to care about our name is great. Deliver us from it. It's not about our name. It's about Jesus' name. Making him look good. The only thing I care about my name, Lord, is that it's in that book of life. And so help us now to have the courage to do whatever the Holy Spirit is calling each of us to do for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's all stand and would prayer team come forward. These next few moments, maybe you need to make a confession. Maybe you need to ask for prayer. Maybe you want to talk to someone about following this Christ. Let's celebrate, let's worship, and let's minister to you as we sing.